will you do without freedom? Will you fight? Welcome to Leverage Addicts, the podcast for investors looking to maximize returns through leverage. Join host, seasoned mortgage professional and real estate enthusiast, Blandon Lerm, as we explore property investing strategies and learn how to navigate the market to build new wealth. Welcome to another episode of Leverage Addict Podcast, where we explore strategies for financial success and personal growth. I'm your host, Blandon, and today we are venturing beyond property investing, yet very relevant for many of us. We're actually going to dive into the art of thinking, leading, and communicating effectively. Everything you need to earn a bigger paycheck so that you can have more borrowing power for more properties. All right. So today I have John Scott, who's sitting across me, who is also also my business mentor. <laughs> welcome, welcome. In. And before we jump in, I just want to share with you guys a personal story because this was actually a few years back. I felt like I was kind of at a crossroad in my entrepreneurial journey. And at the time we had around 20 staff. I think it was just before COVID. To be frank, at that time, I felt pretty alone because I felt like I was playing this business game almost like by myself, even though I have this team around me. And I was feeling overworked, overstressed, underpaid, underappreciated. And I'm sure some of you guys can relate to that, you know, if you guys are in a leadership position or a managerial role, or you're running your own business, maybe even if you're a teammate of a bigger team, maybe you're feeling like that because you're taking all the responsibility. But meeting John was a blessing for me because he helped me sort of get out of this mindset. Because at the time I was just like talking about, oh man, I want to retire early. I want to retire early because I was just so sick of it. But yeah, John helped me a lot. And he was actually instrumental in terms of helping our team to more than double and be able to grow the business. So what we're going to talk about today isn't only going to just be relevant for business owners, but anyone that sort of work in a team, like I said, we're going to focus on how you can think, lead and communicate and become better team members, managers and leaders. So officially welcoming you, John. Thank you very much, Landon. <laughs> Great intro. Awesome. Awesome. It's fantastic to have you. And before we dive into the content, because obviously we, we usually try to prepare some questions, maybe we can get to know you a little bit, like your journey into becoming a business mentor, because there wasn't always like, you know, your career choice. I'm going to be a business mentor. No. Um, I, I, I think let's go back and start with experiences. And I think like a lot of people, my experience of business was probably watching my parents running their own business. My father worked full time, but my mother wanted to, to do her own thing. And so they, like many other people, effectively, you've risked the house to invest in this business opportunity. Now, in their case, it was three children's clothes shops, which they ran and owned for 35 years. And from a young lad, I didn't understand potentially what was going on, but suddenly I was out there doing fly drops or else I was licking stamps onto envelopes when the sales was going out. Or suddenly these reps were coming around with clothes and inventory to sell for the next season. Or I was helping in the shop doing stock take. And gradually, what I didn't even realize at the time, I was suddenly being involved with ah, marketing, sales, inventory management, cash flow. Dad used to do the accounts every night and used to have this big red leather bound ledger that he would update. And so I was being immersed in these things without understanding what was going on. But I was a curious kid. So for me, it was why? What are you doing? What's going on here? And so that same thing carried on in the sports field. 
I found that I related better to the coaches who asked questions of me and got me to look at what I was doing than the ones who just shouted at me and said, you got to do better. And it was suddenly all of these things were going on. So who did I gravitate towards? Who did I enjoy being with? What made me want to be more engaged? And that stuff started to resonate as I moved into business and I moved into sales. So sales is all about performance. You know, you're as good as your last sale, everything, everything, hammer, hammer, hammer. But what I realized more and more is that people who just managed that way, the team burnt out. They turned over. They weren't very satisfied. They were always complaining. Whereas the ones who engaged with us and started using our brains and asking us how we could help them to solve the problems, the ones who actually got more buy and more engagement and everything else. And so those lessons, as I moved up into senior sales and then into leadership roles, began to resonate, which was never forget to ask the team, involve the team, don't try and do it all yourself. When we, I just go back to your introduction, when you said when we first met each other, you were the guy with the weight of the world on your shoulders, trying to do everything and the team don't get it. Whereas in it, effectively, all it was was a case of actually share some of your challenges with the team and they will come and work with you and happily help you to try and solve some of them. So in order to get to mentoring all my life, I've been asking questions and seeking more answers and being curious and then trying to take with that and then openly sharing the learnings. So in a way, I connect people and ideas. That's what I'm about and always have been. It's just only in later on in life, as I've moved beyond my corporate career and I'm now doing something that I want to do, that I've actually been able to really engage in that more fully. So that's kind of how we get to be here today. That's really awesome, John. And, you know, John's being really humble there. And if you check at his LinkedIn, he was the CEO of Bartercards for almost a decade. <laughs> it was fascinating because Bartercard, again, he was a great model of that engagement thing. People joined, joined Bartercard. It was a very manual process whereby you had to involve with your trade broker and you had to, they had to find something you had to engage with them. I just looked at that model and went, we're spending as much time and effort on a $2 deal as we are on a $20,000 or a $100,000 deal. This doesn't make sense. How can we digitize? How can we move? How can we automate? And so with that business, I bought the whole company together in 10 different sessions of transformation where I asked everyone over 10 three-day sessions, what can we do? What are the ideas we need? What are the mega trends ahead? If we had unlimited budgets, where would we invest? What would we do? What are your ideas? How do we improve it? What are good leaders? What are poor managers? And we got all of these ideas. And out of those ideas, over three years, 80 different initiatives were launched and delivered in the business that moved us completely online without any additional external investment. And we also promoted more than 50 people internally into more senior roles. So we built and developed the culture that continued that process of improvement. So for me, it was really empowering to see the leaders, future leaders, step up and actually take on all of those things. So my job was to just empower and enable. Give them the resources, provide them with the tools, then get the hell out of their way. I definitely would like to be able to say that one day. You know, promoted 50 people yeah. to senior leadership. Yeah. You and, will then, and I'm and very delivered confident. 80 initiative yes. without me. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's really awesome, John. Thank you for that intro. Yeah. Obviously, in the time that you have sort of worked in corporate, mm. you led numerous teams, mm. numerous team members, yeah. and from like the frontline salespeople to, you know, key executives and the management team. And I think, you know, by 
being in those positions, you're going to see a lot of common problems that cause people to perhaps stop growing, perhaps to withhold, you know, their feedback and just not make the best of them, like not being able to get the best of themselves. And what are some of the common challenges that you see? I think probably the biggest ones are fear of failure. So I have to get my result. So people just focus on the number and delivering the number, not stepping back and saying, well, you know what, if I gave you more money to achieve something, how far could we really go? How could we, you know, the old 10x thing, the Peter Thiel type argument and those kind of things, what could we do differently? The fact that we actually set people up in life to compete with each other, not collaborate. So we set targets and then we hail and we shout and we say, woohoo to the top performer. What about all the other people in the team? We also as a business tend to focus on those who are performing the worst and spend a lot of time and attention on them rather than focusing on those who are getting better and can improve even more and investing in them. So in a way, as a business, we've just focused on the wrong areas. And then the response you get from employees reflects that. So these are quite often, they're not necessarily your top dogs, but they're certainly your A or B performers. With a bit more focus, a bit more attention, you will actually get them to really grow exponentially rather than the focus on the ones who are just really should not be in your business. And this is the crazy thing. So investing the time, effort, and energy in the people who have the greatest potential to grow and expand beyond that. That's the biggest mistake I see. That's a bit of a parenting lesson in there as well. It feels like, you know, maybe if I reflect back, right, parents, if you are getting good grades on certain things, it's like, okay, we'll leave that. Just leave it there. You're already doing what is required. Let's look at the ones that you're getting C's and D's and you know, let's just get tutoring there. And then you're just forced to do these things that you don't like. So that's quite interesting that you say that because maybe we're sort of built this way when we're young and then when we're old, unconsciously, we're doing it in our careers as well. The second thing I tend to see is a lot of people don't know what the company objectives are, how they can contribute more to it. We talk about vision, values, mission, all of these things. But nine times out of 10, people don't really understand it because even if there are some in the business, it's been decreed from on high and imposed on them. They've had no input into them. So it actually means nothing to them. So when they're doing their day-to-day job, they're kind of going, well, am I doing what I'm, you know, there's no kind of buy-in to that. So we've got to bring those vision, mission, and values to life and make it mean something to every employee in the business. So you have to get their ideas, their input, and they then own it. If they don't own it, nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to happen. That's so good. How I relate to that is that story about you got like three bricklayers and the first guy you ask him hey what job are you doing i'm laying bricks the guy second got asked again he's like i'm building a wall and then the third one's like i'm building a cathedral and there's a massive difference in terms of their productivity because of how they're sort of seeing what their job is and and their happiness as well yeah definitely what you have taught me is it all comes back to me my failing as a leader and i needed to be, get better so yeah and uh, certainly still a lot to learn Right. Yeah. Certainly there's so much lessons that's uh, in the last few years that we have sort of. I think also a challenge is that a lot of people, do they feel trusted to actually go and do things, to experiment, to even make mistakes, but know they're going to be supported in that because they were trying to do something differently and they've take, taken on the learning. So often what we're about is don't lose it rather than win it. And 
I think overall in society, we've just got to be much more accepting of risk-taking within obviously certain parameters, but encourage people to take that and to try that and to do these things. Because out of that, we learn more from our failings than our successes. Absolutely. In human nature, we do. We actually question things more. We look at things. Once we recognize that we are the people who are actually the most likely to have contributed to the failure, then we can do something about it. That's right. And I, I guess, yeah, just sort of mirroring what you're saying there is kind of the same with investing as well. It's like, well, if you're always just thinking, man, all of the different risks and like how much things are going to cost and potentially I'm going to have bad tenants, like you let all of these ideas stop you from even trying in the first place. And sometimes it's like, well, you don't have to take all of that risk, you can try to go, okay, actually, how do I mitigate that risk? And I encourage my team members and, and managers as well to think the same. Let's not just think about the number or the target now. Let's let's think about how do we improve this and what kind of calculated risk we can take to get a better result. That's so good, John. And if you were to talk about the opposite, we talked about what stopped people from growing, but what are some of the common traits and characteristics that you see in the top performers or managers that you have seen to strive, right? What are the characteristic and traits that they own or have that really help them propel? Oh, uh, without shadow of doubt, a positive view on things that they don't let the negative get in the way. Continuous learning, commitment to finding out, learning, doing things differently. Take responsibility, are accountable. Also say, and you can rely on what they say they will do, they will deliver and they will go above and beyond that. Also, will always be prepared to acknowledge others' contribution to their performance, not just take it all for themselves. So they are quite selfless. A determination to succeed. They will have this drive to want to perform. They are conscientious. They are effectively, they recognize that by helping you, they help themselves as well. So the team works, they collaborate. And also a lot of cases, they're just never satisfied. Even though they get a big deal in or sometimes the biggest deal you've ever seen, you know, that's very seldom do they linger and sit back and do the, hey, look at me. They're always moving on to the next thing and continuing on to do that. So for them, what's next? The challenge, the consistency of that. Yeah. And you always teach me about values, right? If you go, okay, well, some of the things that you just communicated, I could see them as like a certain values or traits that we potentially can put on paper. What would you say some of those values could be? Values when you employ high performers or you're looking for those people, those conscientious people, empower, definitely empower them, educate them, trust them involve them, and then unleash them. All of these things, now you could define it into the value set differently, but all of these things are actually saying, I value you, I want you to succeed, I'm going to do everything I can to help you to succeed, and I'm giving you the room to experiment and try. I guess what you're trying to communicate there is more about like, as a leader, how do I activate these people? Yeah, yeah. no, that's really good. Because values I might have, might not be their values. So imposing your values on someone else is never a good place to be. You've got to actually understand at their heart what they want. What are the things that get them going and then relate it back to their values? That's the thing. That's really good. One thing I guess I learned over the years, maybe it's not the same for all managers, but for me, there was this, I can't even remember where that theory came from. It was like about two circles of like the first circle is like how you see yourself. And the second circle is like in reality, how you can actually perform. If there was a bit of a mismatch, it's okay because that means 
means you're always trying to stretch. Like this is what I can actually do and how I see myself. So you're always trying to do better. But when they're really, really far apart, that's when it's really hard to work with those people because they always feel like they are so much better than they actually are and they can't see it and always feel frustrated because they can't find the happiness because it's not congruent with what they see themselves as. And I find it really hard to try and help those people because is it that you just tell them, hey, you're not as good as you think you are? Like, how do you communicate that? (laughs) It's really important in these situations that if someone doesn't have a realistic view, that you have to be candid and help them to understand where the differences are. But you must give them specific, actionable items that they can work on. If you can't, if you're just talking generally, it's never going to have an effect. But if you can draw them to see, okay, this is where you thought you were doing this. This is what I'm seeing. What would be the difference? In a lot of cases, though, with people, if they can't see it in their own workspace, take it out of the workspace and ask them, how would you view this situation? And if they can then assess that as being, well, no, that person clearly isn't doing that, then then bring it back into the workspace and say, well, if you are seeing this now with yourself, what would you say based on this? And then somehow you've got to try and get them. Your job is to give them the clarity so that they can see and help them to see, not to just blame. It is to educate them on what the things are and then help them to then be able to do something about it. That's where we fail so often as leaders. We go around and say, well, you're just not good enough. Sorry. And the person's feeling like, I thought I did a pretty good job, (laughs) you know, came in and now they're like crushed. So it's, you know, don't take their self-respect, but help them to learn. I guess the thing that you always try to get us to think about is like, instead of just saying something, it's like, well, how do you get people to see and come up with their own conclusion? And sometimes maybe doing a bit more work to perhaps you could find something that's in common outside or potentially some more evidence, some more stats and data, which is what John loves, data. I do. And, uh, I do. <laughs> Take emotion out of the situation and just you got the facts and then discuss the facts and get people's feedback. A lot of this is about spending time with your team. So often in business, we're so busy. The last thing we think about is talking to our people, sharing our learnings or our frustrations or our worries and getting their ideas. If we were to actually turn around and just spend more time, I'm a great one for stimulating, just throwing out ideas, getting people's input into it, and then seeing if something comes out of it. And if we come out of that session with one or two good ideas, we've brainstormed, we've come up with something we can work it and then we can take it forward and then someone else normally can own that that is superb and then people understand how you work they're interested in it as well because they're kind of going wow okay i'm learning something i'm involved in something i'm encouraged here my voice you know i have a space here i am now feeling part of the team Yeah. Some people uh, hearing that might be scared, like, I don't need more ideas, John. What John actually have helped us as well is you can come up with these ideas. You should walk out with 80 ideas, but you should have a framework in terms of how you prioritize. That's going to be the most important thing. Is it how, what benefit is it going to have your business? Is it strategic? Does it link into your values, into your, you know, vision, your balance scorecard, whatever tools you're using for that? But also more importantly, is it achievable in the with the budget and the resources that you have? Or is it something that you'd have to look in other ways to deliver it? So good, John. And one thing you always tell me, and we talked about this as well, you mentioned it several times, 
asking questions from your childhood yeah. to your corporate career mm-hmm. to now your coaching. Asking better questions is really important. And so how can somebody apply that? Like, how do we ask better questions? How do we ask something that's going to be more impactful? You have to be genuinely interested. If you want to learn, if you genuinely want to find out more of somebody or something, you've got to be really interested. So if you're going to start on this journey of asking more questions, listen really listen to what that person's saying. Then show that you've listened by asking more questions and better and refining in on what they've said and trying to get to the kernel of the piece that is really important from there because you are acknowledging that what they're saying has an impact on you. And I think from there, start sharing ideas and asking them, then get letting them ask you and then being able to improve on it and enhance from there. And that way you're moving from what I call the just cliched to a much more open conversation dialogue. And that moves into becoming much more trusting. And that's what we're all about. We're trying to involve everyone in a more trusting relationship whereby they feel open and happy to collaborate. Even if there's no benefit to say one or the other of the people, they're happy to help that other person and sort out and help them resolve the issues so they can go off and do. Mm. So it's genuine curiosity, it yeah. sounds like. Yeah. It's something that we need to practice as a habit. Yeah. But you can't take forever. You can't spend five hours just having a chin wag. It is actually appropriate for the time and the effort and the questions that they have. That's good. So far, we've got some really good, valuable advice from John. And I thought, you know, to close off today's podcast, I wanted to ask this one more question. For some of the listeners out there, uh, they probably want to go, okay, actually, I do want to become a better manager. I do want to become a better teammate. You know, what is some, like a starting point, right? To become better, to become that, the leader, right? To lead better, to communicate better. What's some starting point? The leap of faith one is always asking people for feedback on you. What's the thing that they feel that you do well? What's the one thing they'd like you to improve on? That's a good starting point. Next thing is also working out what are you doing with your day? How are you spending your time? Are you actually focused on the areas that are going to improve the business or are you just working on tasks that you're just working your way through the task, whether they're important or not, and just achieving that without actually working out how does this help? Then the things that actually are going to help the business, getting other people's involvement in that process too. Get them involved. Have fun. Share some ideas. Give them the limelight, you know, Ask them, sit in their shoes, walk in their shoes. Go and sit down with them with a blank piece of paper and say, tell me about what it is that you do. Help me to understand what your frustrations are. What are the good things you're doing? What are the things you would like to see? What are the things that you think perhaps, hey, with a bit of refinement, we can do that? What's the great idea that no one's ever listened to you that you've got to talk to us? And have them open up to you. You know, just spend more time with other people. And the best leaders I've always dealt with are the ones who always appear to have more time, even if they don't, even if they might be working ridiculous hours. They just seem to be able to stop and focus on you and listen to what you say, acknowledge what you've said, summarize it perfectly, and then help you go away with the best answer possible. I'm still working on that. Mm. (laughs) 
<laughs> we all are. <laughs> but that that's really good because what you have sort of communicated there, it's something that we can systemize, right? Asking for feedback is like, it doesn't matter what point in your career you're in. It doesn't matter what leadership role or like either you're starting as a at the bottom or the top. It's like a question that you can ask at any time. And then also just really reflecting on how you're spending your time and prioritizing. I think, yeah, that's that's something we can all put in our calendar like first first day of the month, let's ask for some feedback. And be authentic. Be your true self. People see through the fraud when you're saying, oh, I'm really interested to hear what you've got to say today. Nah, 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 nah. You know, come on. Be genuine in what you're trying to do. And people will see that and they'll respond to it. Then if someone is not as curious, then uh, they, they're just not going to talk to I, I think it's, <laughs> it's your job to engage with them yeah. as a leader. You have to find common ground. So if you aren't finding common ground, you've just got to then reassess and rework with that and find out what their interests are. You know, if someone is an introvert and you are an out and out extrovert, clearly there are different ways. So are there things that they do or interests that they have or things that they might do in their own time that you can then relate to or, or read up on and then say, Oh, okay, I, I saw this. But I just don't understand that. What, what is it I'm missing and get them to talk about it? Because we all know that getting people to talk about themselves is what they really want to be doing and acknowledging that. And if you show interest in them and they feel that you value what they're doing, then that's great. And that starts with their life, acknowledging who they are as people. So if you guys ever want to start a conversation with me, I like to talk about making money, purpose in life, business, you know, those are marketing. <laughs> with me, I, like, I, I love learning what your big challenges are. What, what keeps you up at night? What, what are the things that really are stopping you from, you know, achieving that? That's the stuff I love. I'm just really, I'm quite, quite happy to sit down with people and say, okay, what have we done so far? What have you got to? What's stopping you from doing that? And so often when I talk to business owners and leaders, they just haven't got someone they can talk to. They haven't got someone they can share their ideas with, their fears, their worries, their concerns. And quite often, because the business might be going through a difficult time, they're not sharing it with their loved ones because they don't want to admit that, oh, my God, they don't want them to have that worry. But in reality, as soon as they just can go, ah, oh, this is what's going on, and you can go, actually, no, I understand because I've been through this so many times myself. And then you can start working to what is the issue? How do we get to be here? And then step by step by step, trying to work out, is there a plan, short-term, long-term, things that we can do differently? You know, Let's just deal candidly with what the problem is. No matter what the brutal reality is, we can confront it. But then what can we do moving forward and how can we change it? So you're not on your own. That's the key thing. Then is it actually an issue that's really bad? How bad is it? Let's quantify it. Are you, is the business at risk? Are you going to actually run out of money or not? How long is your runway? What are the things that you have to do? COVID, I think, made every one of us, if we already didn't have that in us, made us really, really recognize with no money coming in, how long can our business last? What do we need to do? How can we transform our business from you know, retail to online? How do we start delivering things remotely? All of these kind of things. Is it still applicable to the world that we're going to be moving into compared with where we are? That, is, uh, that is sound advice. Mm. <laughs> yeah. No, that's really good. And just make sure, guys, if you guys are listening, it works really well in a business setting with your colleagues. But um, 
just don't try that with your spouse too much. Might not work out. <laughs> you always, I was going to say, if you're ever trying something out new, you try it on your partner and they say, what do you want? Uh, you need to go back and re- refine your script there very much. <laughs> We've all found that one, I know. Yeah. Uh, that's all good. Thank you so much, John. Really, really appreciate your insights today. And I know a lot of people out there listening to this, I'm sure there's some gold nuggets. You know, if they're an investor, I'm sure there's something that they can apply. If they're, you know, working in a PAYE, I'm sure there's something there as well. I just want to sum up, you know, your thinking, your leadership, your communication skills is a very powerful asset, right? And something that I personally want to invest in as well, because obviously more horsepower there allows you to have more horsepower in your borrowing capacity, right? So you can invest in more properties. And so if you guys have found this episode enlightening as I did, even though I'm just like listening to John across, I still found something new. Just for you, remember to subscribe share and review our podcast as well. If you guys want additional resources, check out our Mortgage HQ website, mhq.co.nz. And until next time, I'll see you guys again. Thank you, John. Thank you very much, Landon. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.